to the Flex Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit. Covering all things science relating to nutrition, training, recovery, and more. Who knows, we might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two. <laughs> Episode 100! Welcome, everyone. <laughs> I tried to redo my, my exciting bit. No one <laughs> listening knows that we're redoing this today. No. We tried, we started recording and there was a problem with the mics. And so we're trying to like do the exciting intro again. But anyways, Mike, episode 100, we wanted to have you on because you were so handsome and interesting and intelligent and humble and everything else. How would you feel if we brought a female guest on and start off that? You would boy on because you're beautiful. No, and also because and you're And interesting and funny. <laughs> I'm just glad you called him handsome and not beautiful. I think you're beautiful too. Uh, Thank right. you so much. How do you feel about being called beautiful, Mike? Um, I think beauty is a universal concept, isn't it? I would. I don't think I would be. It's not a sad about word. it. Okay. Better than being called ugly, isn't it? It's true. I think it is. I wouldn't be sad. I just don't feel complimented when someone calls me. Look, beautiful. speaking of ugly, I just think we need to begin the podcast with me admitting my foolishness, and then we can get on with it. Now, this camera is set up a little bit further away than usual. Um, I'm here in Mexico City and decided to get my lipstick tattooed on. And I thought a good place to start was to just get like a regular skull and bone tattoo artist to give it a go. And he really stuffed it up. Now that the swelling's gone down and I've covered some bruises with a bit of makeup and stuff, it's not so bad from a distance, but I'm not feeling beautiful right now. Mike says that he just couldn't tell that anything is wrong, which is one of the reasons why he brought, brought you on. He just wouldn't tell me if I looked ugly. And I love that. I feel like <laughs> I, I couldn't would. see, I would not, in, I, in both of you, I feel like I would not ever be able to see anything other than the beauty of your souls. So I would never <laughs> notice that. This guy, look <laughs> at him. To be fair though, Liz, you actually did want a skull and bones tattooist because Normal cosmetic tattooers won't usually use more of a permanent ink. That's true. I wanted a permanent ink. She didn't ink. want to have to redo them. And she wanted a darker. So she got all the things she really wanted, but it's the hindsight of that. Apparently those things aren't done for a reason. Yeah. I, I won't bore <laughs> guests with the reasons why you don't want body ink in your lips. Uh, but there are reasons and my lips are turning gray. So I'm doing. Well, you at- may want it if you use pink tones, just not brown and reds. Yeah, yeah, look, yeah. yeah, it was all wrong. You live and you learn, Mike. You live and you learn. But, Mike. Yeah. I feel like we need to ask him if he's ever had a live and learn moment like this. Maybe. But first, okay. I we're going to talk about misinformation today. And I yes. thought a good place to start was this. I feel like I'm not a dumb person. I uh-huh. have a, a, you know, a high level of education. I feel like I've got some critical thinking skills. But I figured... Gosh, a tattooist is a tattooist. Is there really that much of a difference? They're all in the same industry. I, I like spent some time on Google looking around and I, like, I just couldn't come up with any reason why I wouldn't go ahead and get this tattoo. And in hindsight, that was an enormous mistake that's cost me mm-hmm. a lot of pain and it's going to cost me a lot of money and time um, and stress to fix. And I'm not in the tattoo industry. So it just makes me think like, People who aren't in the health and fitness industry might not know all the nuances and might not realize why maybe they shouldn't get their PT to be writing them a nutrition program. (laughs) And it's just made me really empathize with people who aren't in the industry and don't really understand those bits and bobs. So as a 
GP. That's your official mm -hmm. title, isn't it? General practitioner. It yeah. 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 Okay. What are some things that you, uh, your patients end up coming to you with like some misunderstandings or yeah, like just some details that they're really missing that they're getting wrong. Like Lizzie and her stupid tattoo. This is a really good question. And I think that the universal theme about it is, is this sort of sense of, of guilt or shame for not already knowing the answer. I think there's a lot of okay. a lot of very simple issues where people seek help from a professional and they feel silly because they didn't know this stuff already. And I think the point to make is that you're not supposed to know this stuff already. You're supposed to be able to rely on on professionals to help you. Like we, we, we want people to seek help from professionals. We want people to listen to professionals and we want people to get decent advice from professionals. So I think the point to make, and this is what's really difficult sometimes in correcting misinformation, is that people think that you're getting annoyed with them for not knowing stuff already when really what, who you're getting annoyed with are the professionals who should know better who are giving out misinformation or the people who are portraying themselves as professionals who are giving out misinformation. And I think that one of the things to be really careful about when, again, when trying to correct misinformation is not to make people feel stupid because they thought something different. Because I think we've all been in that situation before. We've all done the stuff that in hindsight, we're like, that was properly stupid. But it wasn't stupid at the time or we wouldn't be doing it because we're not stupid people like this is yeah. this is the thing is that there is there is a certain amount of um of life that you just don't know about because you don't know and i think that it's important to be cognizant of that but it's also important not to kind of shame ourselves and, and feel ashamed because we made mistakes i mean i can i can reel you off a list of really dumb stuff that i've done in my life um usually involving cars or like DIY or something like that, that I just have absolutely no skills with whatsoever. I went, um, I think it was about three months without using my washing machine when I moved into a new place um, because it didn't work. And I was waiting for somebody to come and fix it. And I realized that the tap was turned off. Oh my God. <laughs> did three you realize months. or did you actually hire someone? I hired someone. I got someone, <laughs> to, I got someone to come <laughs> and they turned it on. I've called out the emergency, like, um, you know, the emergency rescue service for cars because I turned my windscreen wipers on and it was, they were frozen. So when it tried to turn, it kind of unscrewed the bolt. So then when everything melted, the windscreen wipers weren't working because the bolt was just turning. Uh -huh. And then I was like, oh my God, the windscreen wipers aren't working. So I had to call out the AA who came around and literally looked at it, got a spanner and tightened it and went, there you go. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that makes me feel so much and better. Like, what do, you do? No, but do you know what this is the other thing too? Most of those people would have been like, and what do you do for a living? You would have said, well, yeah. actually I'm, I'm a doctor. And they're like, well, you're a smart guy. How did you not know this? Yeah, exactly. Right. And this is the thing is that we're very good at knowing stuff within our own fields and we're very good at being experts on certain things. And a lot of people think that that makes them an expert in everything, but it doesn't. It's, you know, it's something that we're all like befallen to. And it depends on so many things. It depends on our upbringing, what kind of environment we're brought up in, the kind of stuff that our parents did or didn't do, or the kind of things that they hired professionals to do instead of doing themselves, mm. that sort of stuff. Like some people are amazing at fixing cars because they used to fix cars with their dad when they were a kid um, or they're amazing at playing football because they played football with their dad when they were a kid or whatever um, not necessarily because they've done football training specifically to train to become good at something 
so like the the idea of being skilled is so is so diverse and covers such a, a wide range of issues but also doesn't cover everything mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean this is uh i think a really what's the word i'm looking for like a relevant topic now that huberman is talking about nutrition and jordan peterson is talking about things outside of his scope of practice and we look up to these people that are like we look at as experts and really intelligent and they say really dumb shit about nutrition and lots of people that don't really have the skills to critically critically analyze it go well he said it and he's really smart so it must be right like what was that thing about lucky charms lately oh Oh, yeah with the the blow up of that that, apparently yeah go for mine yeah so they did this um the chart of different um foods and how nutritious and healthy they are and they put them on this scale but they did them in scales within their own type of food so among grains like lucky charms is less healthy than this or more healthy than this for example and among meat uh you know lean chicken is more health and fish is more healthy than like smoked processed meats right and so they basically joe rogan taking these two separate sets of data i believe because i didn't see it i didn't see the original stuff i just see the debunks now because mm. i've curated my own feed to just be from you know i guess sensible people i think that the issue was that they just took bits from two separate bits of data and ranked them against one another so mm. they said that because one was at the bottom of the end of the scale in one it had to be less healthy than one with, that was further up at the scale in the other or something like that in different yeah. categories wasn't really what it meant yeah, it was a similar parallel to the Australian five-star food rating. Right. In, that, in the five-star food rating in Australia, they do it on like-for-like like products. So five mm-hmm. stars is the healthiest, one star is yeah. the least healthy. So you might <laughs> see like, you know, within fats, the, you know, the preference might be that oils can only go above, a, can't go above a two. But within mm-hmm. a cereal, there might be a five range. And the same thing, they'd be like, oh, you know, Cocoa Pops are healthier than coconut oil. Like, how could this yeah. be? Like, well, they're actually not comparing life for life. And I think the thing that's super frustrating about that is that there is just this this currency that has appeared now, which is engagement. And it's it's more powerful than it's ever been before. And it's way more powerful than information or education. And the trouble with it is that, like, Joe Rogan wants to sell a podcast or he wants to sell engagement on his social media he's not trying to educate the masses necessarily per se, although he he does provide a certain amount of education when he has certain guests on. But essentially what we do know is that a headline that says that someone has said something outrageously ridiculous that represents woke liberalism about food, because they'll, they'll combine it with everything else, that is far more dramatic and interesting and engaging and is going to give loads of people another reason to shake their fists at society and go, look what we're messing up. Look what, look how you're ruining society by trying to pander to all of these things. And it is like, it's, it's the, the, the kind of cross pollination of all of these cultures. I, like I, I was interested because recently I was tagged in a vaccine post on Twitter by someone with a very big profile and I got a lot of responses from people who were you know anti-vaxxers or whatever um and kind of in in those sort of camps and what was really fascinating to me was that there was like this really clear checklist on every it was like all of the accounts were made by the same person you go to the account and they're like right andrew tate retweet tick um (laughs) you know something about trans rights but being anti it somehow gun ownership you know like 
yeah woke liberalism is a terrible thing tick you know like there's just all of these things that they sort of seem to have in common when they are going down this avenue of um you know righteous uh information like because you can't i can't call it wokeness because that's the opposite of what it is it's like this awakeness you know they wake up sheep you know that Mm. sort of stuff Uh. they know more about the world and it's i think it comes from this idea of wanting to somehow feel like they've they've found information that that makes them better than everyone else because not everyone else has realized it or woken up to it because it's because otherwise they're just mainstream aren't they yeah everyone else is gullible not them yeah exactly exactly Uh, one day you'll realize just how unlucky you've been but this this is how also that social media platform works is that once you get down the rabbit hole of one they then get proposition with all similar pieces of information so it is hilarious but also expected that when you go and look at the individuals that are otherwise claiming oh you know climate change doesn't exist is that yeah you're all being showing the same shit you do realize that your shit you're saying we're being shown is the same but inverted you know like yeah it's just that some people have the the ability like Liz mentioned before to critically think about like maybe this isn't just the single message that I should be reading an echo chamber so I'm getting the feeling like that when a patient comes to you um in your office, do we call your? Is that is that what you call your practice? A clinic, office? a surgery, an office. Yeah, we can call okay. it whatever we like. My room, your room. I like surgery. <laughs> that sounds really medical. But that to me sounds like he might be cutting people up. Have you cut someone well, up? We in call your it room? so in in England. We call you call it a GP surgery. Like okay. the practice is called a surgery. I don't really know why because you don't do surgery. Although you do do minor ops, but um, it's yeah, it's called a surgery. So like okay. Yeah. So you're a surgeon. Really quick offshoot. Um, I ha- used to have a mole <laughs> on my chin uh-huh. and I used to hate this mole. And I used to think like whenever I would speak, the mole would move. And I was really conscious about it. And I went to the this GP. <laughs> I went to the GP and I said, um, hey, like, can you advise how I can get rid of this mole? He's like, oh, I can cut it out of you if you want. I was like, yeah, sweet. I I'm like toxically optimistic. I just think that like everything is always going to work out and it's going to be fine. And I tend to do like really risky things without like looking into them too much. And so I, I didn't realize that he was going to cut so deep and so big. This mole wasn't that big, by the way, it really wasn't um, that I needed five stitches on my chin and it stuck out like a beard for weeks until he could remove the stitches. And like, it's a, it's an, I don't care. I don't mind scars. I have lots Mm. of them. Um, but yeah, I didn't realize I was going to end up with this scar and he was going to like do surgery on the spot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we'll call your room a surgery, but where I was going, when people come to your surgery and yeah. they're like, Hey Mike, I want to lose weight. I know that I have to cut out carbs and I can't drink any alcohol and my life's going to be no fun. Um, mm. you know, and ask advice about that. I'm getting the idea that you're not going to be like, <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> That's like, how would you go about, because we all come across people that, are just like way off the mark how would we go about approaching that okay so like I normally do it if I want to if I'm trying to show somebody a new way of looking at things Mm -hmm. I often find that the most effective way to do it is by asking questions rather than telling them things because I think you learn like in order to try and you know facilitate change I think you really need to understand where somebody's coming from in the first place so i might say oh that's interesting you know what what makes you say that you need to to cut out carbs or um where where did that you know where did that information come from you know 
do, can you do you know why why that works ask just asking more questions around it to just get an idea of where the person is at i guess um and saying and, and actually acknowledging that you know they absolutely will lose weight if they cut out carbs and stop drinking alcohol for sure um but is that something that you think you'd find easy to do is that something that you think you're going to struggle with because then some people might say yeah i don't actually drink that much or um i'm not a big fan of carbs i just tend to eat them when people bring them into the office for example so if i know that i'm not eating that i can do without it um this is the thing like everyone's relationship with food everyone's psychology around food is so vastly different like one person's massive restriction is another person's preference a lot of the time mm. so and, and i think that we really forget that and i've definitely fallen into that category before by assuming that when a patient tells me that they've cut out cake because they wanted to lose weight and i'm like you don't have to cut out cake you can eat cake it's okay and they're like i'm not that fussed by cake <laughs> oh, okay they're like, obviously monsters because you... cake is the best thing ever well, I, right, I know, but <laughs> but this is the thing. Like, I I think that it's really easy to, in the same way that um, you know, I think we just assume preferences and we assume what's going to work for somebody and what's not going to work for somebody. And actually, for some people, maybe that's that's the way to do it to cut carbs and and um and cut alcohol. But you don't know whether that's the case until you speak to them. So I think mm. speaking to them and showing interest a um engages people helps them to realize that you're interested in helping them rather than just wanting to dismiss them right because i think sometimes if people just try and counteract what you're saying it feels more dismissive than it does educational and mm. it does feel like they're calling you stupid because it's just mm. going, oh, you don't have to do that you know yeah um when really even if you're saying that you're actually trying to help them but i think one of the things that we forget in in the world of trying to help people change is that sometimes we focus more on doing what we think is the thing to do rather than actually helping people like I often use this quote like do you actually want to help people or do you just want to be able to say that you tried mm -hmm. like you know that by presenting this information in this way it is not going to work so do you want to just be able to say well I told them the right information I told them what to do and they just didn't do it or do you want to actually help them change because if you do then you need to cut out this like the social media kind of I'm just telling it like it is. Some people will be offended by this. Well, don't offend them then. Actually, if you want to help them change, why do you want to piss them off? Why mm. don't you want to help them realize the, the better way of doing things? And by doing good that- good for the algorithm. <laughs> exactly. But you need to, I think people forget they need to modify their own behavior to help people change. And that looks different depending on who they're talking to as well. Yeah. I think you can always see a coach who does that by saying, um, I'm only looking to work with motivated individuals. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like they didn't want it enough. You just, you just need to want you it don't enough. Don't DM if not serious. I'm like, everyone's serious when they initially say, Hey, I don't want to die when I'm 60 because I have exactly. these health complications. Yeah. Yeah. But what they don't say is that I also have all of these competing like wants and needs and priorities, and priorities and children. And I just don't know how to fucking manage, you know, like, yeah. 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 I have too 100%. many plates spinning in the air at once. Mm. Yeah. Are there any, like, um, we'll call them zombie facts, things that just aren't true? Like, the I have to cut out carbs thing, for example, but as you mentioned, mm. that might be applicable for some people. Um, and, you know, you try to explain it, but you're only one sensible voice in a sea of all these people like, is there a fact that just keeps popping its head back up no matter how many times you try and kill it? 
I mean, the instant thing that that comes to mind is is um, is the vaccine stuff. I think is that can be really challenging for mm. um, for people because, again, if, depending on what echo chamber you're part of, it can be it can be overwhelming. Like yeah. I found it overwhelming. Like I've I, I you know even when the vaccines first came out for COVID and we had all of this evidence, I still really nervous going to my vaccine because I was like, well, no matter what everyone's told me, there's still loads of people saying that that I'm going to die by having this done. Mm. Like it, it it affects people who. You know who again i'm not i'm not being derogatory about the people who believe it at all because i know how easy it is to believe misinformation but that's why i get so frustrated about the people that peddle it but again i don't want to keep going on about vaccines i think one of the big things in healthcare is medication side effects generally i think people will will very often come in saying ah oh, this medication is I, I want to stop this medication. Why do you want to stop this medication? Well, it's causing me to have, and they'll reel off like five symptoms. And you might say, okay, well, when when did you start getting those symptoms? Oh, it happened in the last three weeks. And how long have you been on that medication? About 10 years? Oh my God, yeah. And, yeah. and you know, it's sometimes people are so, I think, so desperate to believe that A, there's an easy solution to the problem mm. and B, that it's something else is, fault or whatever there's something to blame and that it's easily removable that often they'll be very very convinced that this is being caused by something very specific and i think it can sometimes be difficult to detach those beliefs from the reality of of what might be going on um and if you don't ask the right questions you might not necessarily do that you know if somebody comes in and just says i would just like to stop this medication please it's not agreeing with me and you go yeah cool okay we can stop it and try something different you never get to actually address what the what these issues are that could be a serious medical condition that they've started to develop right mm. um but in terms of other other things i mean nutrition ones are, are are really big obviously as as you guys know that just those general beliefs and about carbs being bad or certain types of food being bad specifically and again having to cut things out completely um and, and, you know, things like people, I remember in the past, I've had a few times when people have said, oh, I've, you know, I've cut out um, fizzy drinks. I'm just drinking fruit juice instead. <laughs> You're like, oh. You know, and yeah. you want to be really encouraging because, and this is, again, I think a big problem with, with fat loss and with, with dieting and healthy lifestyle changes that a lot of people make big sacrifices in order to do something that is just as, quote unquote unhealthy is what they're what they're sacrificing so actually yeah. if they just kept those sacrifices in or didn't do those sacrifices and did something else instead it would be far more effective yeah for listeners mm. that are thinking like oh what's what's wrong with fruit juice um I used to have a client exactly the same scenario she was like Lizzie I stopped drinking um Pepsi and she's like I'm just drinking tons of orange juice instead and like when we think of food, it's not like good or bad. We can, you know, it's either dense in energy or calories or not, or dense in nutrients or not. Even though the nutrients one has a little bit more nuance because um, it's not as easy as coming down to one number, which is calories. Mm -hmm. With, you know, fruit juice, we've got micronutrients there, which is great. But if we compare the calories of fruit juice to soft drink, they're pretty much equal. Mm. Um, yeah, we're, we're swapping calories with not much nutrients for the same calories with more nutrients so it's still a step in the right direction but exactly. for weight loss it's not really making a change and I was kind of stuck too Mike I was like oh I don't want to like rain on her parade <laughs> because she was doing something that she felt was good mm -hmm. and and 
And I wanted to give her a sense of ownership over her life. But at the same time, I didn't want to totally ignore it and not give her the information she needed. Um, So yeah, that's, that's a tricky one to navigate. But I think when you really care, you take the time to slow down and think about your response. Well, I think that's the difference between people that end up with the success is the ability to communicate it differently. Because like Mm. even with my mum, like she's never had issues that I'm aware of digestively. She's never had gluten problems. She's never had any of this sort of stuff. She wouldn't even know what gluten intolerance is, to be honest. Mm. And yet she has at points and times of her life gone and baked gluten-free almond meal dominant things because... Well, one, she just liked the taste of it it's too, healthier. But, but she does then believe that it's healthy because the recipe that she got that from suggested that it was, yeah. you know, so it's even influencing someone who's not necessarily seeking mm. better health outcomes or weight change. Mm. She's just seeking a recipe, you know, yeah. Yeah. and it still infiltrates. Mike, you used to um, believe some things that you know now not to be true or very helpful. Never. Um, yeah. You lost a ton of weight, didn't you? as well i did yeah. i did yeah about 35 kilos i think it was in total wow. it's not anymore if i'm honest but it was it was that one time 35 kilos uh because mm. a little bit has come back on yeah for sure from from a kind of from a partly intentional and partly unintentional point of view from the sense that i was very very focused on weight loss for a long period of time because i was um very overweight and i wanted to lose weight and then I sort of wanted to achieve a certain amount of weight loss, rightly or wrongly, um, in order to prove to myself that I could do that. And interestingly, when I did lose all that weight, I I kind of thought, I I kind of realized that I didn't necessarily value, like from an aesthetic point of view, I didn't want to be skinny. I didn't want to be as small as possible. I kind of wanted to get stronger and get better at training and all of that kind of stuff. So partly intentionally, I, you know, stopped trying to be in a calorie deficit all the time so that I could support my training a bit more. Mm, okay. And partly I just really like food an awful <laughs> lot. Um, and I and I really like trying lots of different foods in large amounts an awful lot and I have quite a sedentary um, day-to-day life from like a work point of view so I don't have a great amount of calorie expenditure kind of day-to-day so I've definitely gained a little bit more weight than I would like to okay but I'm on it I know what to do what I want to this is not sort of where we were talking but can we unpick how you navigate those preferences in, in the lens that I'm thinking is, is that like, we know that, you know, you can have somebody who may uh, visibly to uh, an uneducated individual appear to be unhealthy. And then mm-hmm. we can have, you know, an individual who's like fit and healthy looking, but isn't actually very healthy from a social or spiritual or social, I said blood, work. Twice, mm-hmm. blood work perspective, yeah. you name mm-hmm. it, right? Like there's these cross yeah. bridges between different body sizes. How have you found navigating the, I was overweight, unhealthy and unhappy potentially to then pushing it too far to now kind of finding your settling point and like, well, so I don't think, I think I was fortunate because I don't think I ever pushed it too far. I think the level of leanness that I achieved, I mean, I, like I did a a fitness kind of photo shoot and I had a, I had a few abs in the photo shoot, but I still had plenty of, of body fat. I wasn't underweight. I was at a level of leanness that I 
I felt was possibly sustainable to me to myself at the time. I was not I was not right about that. Um, but I felt that I, I felt that there are a lot of people who are walking around quite comfortably at the level of leanness that I was. I wasn't like, you know, shredded and vascular, or, you know, anything like that. I was just the leanest I'd been. Um, but to me, you know, I, I'm five foot. Well, I call it five foot nine. I'm sticking with that. But I, I weighed just under, I think, 60, 67, kilo, no, just over 67 and a half kilos, I think, mm. at the time. And so that is a small person. And I think that because I had always, when I was very overweight, I did just have this idea that I was quote unquote stocky. So I imagined that when I lost weight, I would, you know, just be like, have kind of this, um, like, I didn't expect to be like muscular or anything like that, but I did just didn't expect to be quite as, as not, I think skinny is the wrong word because I didn't look skinny Skin. but Stream I just line. looked small like I looked mm-hmm. like my head looked to me my head looked a bit too big for my body like when I saw <laughs> like photos of myself I'm like oh that looks funny and it not in a um not I was never you know not in a sort of ashamed way or anything like that but just in terms of like what I imagined it to look like when I lost weight versus what it actually did look like <laughs> it just turned out that it wasn't as exciting for me to have abs as I thought it would be okay. and I think a lot of people experience that but then chase it even more. Like they think that maybe that's because they're not quite lean enough. So they try and get even leaner. Um, and so, I, like I said, I don't think I, I pushed it too far, but I do think that it was just, it was a hill I needed to get over almost to prove to myself that I was capable of living the kind of lifestyle that I wanted to try and live. And then I guess between kind of then and now, I mean, if I'm just, to, if I'm to be ruthlessly honest about it, I, in terms of my diet and things like that, it hasn't been massively healthy for 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 a while, and I'm working on trying to change those things, and I, I kind of keep doing that, but I think I often then revert to, you know, it, it's fun. I've been thinking about this today, for example, like I keep I keep eating biscuits at work because there are biscuits there, and every day I think, Do you know what, I keep eating too many biscuits at coffee break in the morning. And I feel horrendous for the rest of the day. It gives me like heartburn or it will just make me feel just uncomfortably full. And I'm like, actually, I don't think biscuits agree with me that much. So maybe I either limit it to one or two or I just stop having biscuits at work. Right. So I do that. And then the next day I get to coffee break. I'm like, wow, biscuits. Bring it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think that, that that's something that a lot of people struggle with because it's like that short-term like quick kind of gratification and I I suspect and I was thinking about this today that the reason that I'm doing that is probably because I'm not having a decent enough breakfast so when it comes to coffee break and I've trained and all I've had is like a protein shake or whatever I'm actually genuinely hungry when it comes Mm. to coffee break so when I'm presented with this food that is tempting I'm going to eat it and I'm probably going to eat it to excess so actually it this is why i think people talk about how sometimes trying to be in a calorie deficit doesn't help you lose weight because if you're trying to eat as little as possible and you're you know hungrier than you might normally be then you might end up over consuming in the bits where you're not tracking the calories right so i i i've gone way off tangent with this question answer oh no it's been great it's (laughs) well no this is the whole point is yeah i was kind of interested in somebody who yeah how how you how you navigate that because i think that's the hardest thing that people struggle with is 
a lot of people can get from, you know, like point A to point B and they think they need to stay at B, but really they kind of need to find somewhere in between. And yeah, they end up back at A all of a sudden because they forgot yeah. about what they did to get to B. And there's, you know, there's always a to and fro. Yeah. So. And 100%. I think it's important also for people to hear um, a doctor mm. say that I still have things that I can work on and I still mm. have temptations that I give into um, and it's not just them. And I don't know, Dean's a bit of a saint, but I do that stuff sometimes too, yeah. where I'm like, I need to start doing yoga because I, I tend to, when I have intrusive thoughts, I tend to hold my breath and then I have panic attacks. Mm. And I think that yoga can help me with my breathing. So I'm like, I definitely need to do this. It's important. I love myself enough to start and I'll do it for a few days and then I'll kind of forget. I'm like, oh shit, I got to do that yoga again. And then, Mm -hmm. so like we, like we all minus Dean do that stuff. Not really. I've had had a shit back since I was 23. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Because I'm skilled enough to know how to train around it that I can continue moving forward. And I don't break myself enough that I'd have to stop for months on end. Right. So like my skill set is what actually is the problem. Whereas if I knew yeah. no better, I'd probably just break myself and then be forced to do some to form of rehabilitation. Um, That's interesting. You know, so no, we all have, we think, all have that yeah. And I think that it's, it's a byproduct because I think we have, we have this inherent pendulum swing, right? And we do it with information the same as we do it with our lifestyles. And I think that like, so one of the mistakes that I made early on in my dieting career was that I thought that, you know, certain types of food were bad and certain types of food were good. And to lose weight, you had to go paleo or cut out, you know, wheat, sugar and dairy, that sort of stuff. And then as I moved into a more flexible dieting approach and I realized that that wasn't necessary, the pendulum then starts to swing in the other direction. So then you start to manipulate stuff further and further. So like, I, I I may have even mentioned this the last time we did a podcast, but I always kind of strike this as my lowest dieting point, which was when I substituted out broccoli from my, um, from my diet and replaced it with Solero ice cream, which is the same amount of calories as two portions of broccoli, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was so pleased with myself for doing that because I was like, I'm factoring in treats. And you're not factoring in treats. This, this is not a healthy diet. This is not a healthy way of eating, right? So yes, those things have their place and they have an, it's important not to be scared of foods that you think are bad, but it's also important to recognize that some foods are more healthful than others and that you shouldn't be like having your entire diet consist of those foods that aren't bad, you know, mm. that, that but that are a little bit, less healthy so i think that that's the same with that kind of pendulum swing when you then when you then start thinking oh it's about my relationship with food i don't want to be too restrictive i should let myself have biscuits at coffee break and you start doing that and then one turns into five that then becomes problematic as well so i think the problem is that it is is always trying to find that middle ground from the pendulum swing but it's hard to just land on that sometimes you have to experience both sides of the pendulum to realize where it is that you that you actually want to be yeah Mm. we find that to be like quite a common journey that people go down when they go from clean eating to flexible dieting um like super quickly for those that are like what is flexible dieting basically it means that you can eat any food you want so long as it fits your calorie and or macro targets depending if you're tracking just calories and macros and lesson one of our macro tracking course actually is all about the history and future of macro tracking and i talk about the difference between IIFYM, which is an acronym for if it fits your macros, um, and macro tracking slash flexible dieting. Mm-hmm. So 
we, we've seen this theme where people go from clean eating good foods and bad foods to understanding that, oh, weight loss comes down to calorie or energy management, calories in, calories out. And then they just fit in as much ice cream and, you know, they hit their protein with whey and they eat no quote unquote real food but they're losing weight, right? But they're not supporting their health Mm. um, or their performance or their energy levels or their mood or their concentration or anything like that. And they go from one extreme to the other. And then in the end, we find most people, the pendulum swings to the middle and they're like, you know what? Fruits, veg, lean protein, the calories I have left over after that, I might Mm. choose some cookies in my morning break. Yeah, for that's the the holy grail, isn't it? Mm. I think so. Yeah, for sure. And Look, a lot of people think, I saw on your story, was it just yesterday, someone asked you the question, do I have to track calories to lose weight? I, well, I'll love your answer because I love all your answers. But I think that's really important to understand that like, you know, you don't have to track necessarily, but you need to find some way of managing calorie intake if you mm-hmm. want to manage body weight. And um, I personally think that for a lot of people, not everyone, but for a lot of people, just, you know, doing a food diary and, and logging calories and macros for a short period of time to get an understanding of what's what. Like mm. maybe almonds isn't a great source of protein after all. Maybe it's 50% fat can be a really good guide so that you can find that balance between, you know, maybe I should allow myself a biscuit and biscuits yeah. are bad and having five biscuits. Yeah, I think yeah. there's been a disconnect between the communities of dieting dogma, let's say, whereby flexible dieting and or macro tracking has been forgotten as a potential education tool Mm. as opposed to it being this way of life you know and that like tracking calories is inherently bad or negative it's like if i wanted to do my own tax there's gonna be there's gonna have to be some period of education that i need to go through um in order to do that and that's with anything you want to do you should probably preference some education Mm, but you don't need to stay in that course forever. No, yeah. no, I need to learn enough that I can do things with a relatively, uh, you know, decent informed uh, approach and hope for the best. Mm, Swing for the leeches. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, cool. Love it. <laughs> well, I hope listeners have gotten a lot from that because... Um... Well, the point is that it's difficult to navigate, but you just have to find your own little groove. Yeah. And, you know, and there is this, there's this... Um, competing question of you know like to love yourself is to be free with your food choices but also not so free that you then cause potential harm damage and or discomforts like like you said it's like that one biscuit is fine and that's all right but like yeah do you really love yourself if you're eating yeah. the entire packet is this the difference think- between clean food and intuitive eating maybe um, yeah but I also think like love yourself but don't kid yourself you know I've I think we often we do make excuses for ourselves and there's lots of people who have really reasonable reasons why they don't engage in a healthy lifestyle and stuff like that but I think also we we should try and understand our own limits and like like for example at the moment I'm absolutely loving training training is amazing for me at the moment I am enjoying it for it being fun I'm enjoying it for like the progress that I'm making and like the strength changes that I've seen and stuff like that and that is absolutely incredible and I can say to myself oh yeah I just want to be you know I want to train hard and eat plenty and live well and all of that kind of stuff but if I don't recognize the things that I'm doing that aren't really living up to that to, to kind of those values 
then I am just kidding myself. Like if I don't, if I don't go also, you know, Lizzie and Dean, I've got to be honest, I'm eating a few too many biscuits at the moment. Then like, who am I helping? I'm not helping myself by doing that because I'm ultimately going to get frustrated and I'm ultimately not going to be training as well as I should be because I'm not, you know, my nutrition isn't as, as good as it could be, or isn't as supportive to my training as it could be because I'm not feeling my best all the time. And actually that's not even necessarily got anything to do with fat loss. I, I'm not saying that I should eat fewer biscuits because I need to lose weight. And it's really important that I'm leaner than I am now. Mm. I'm saying that I should be doing that because I'm, I'm eating biscuits for the wrong reasons mm -hmm. and at the sacrifice of food that would make me feel better. Mm -hmm. Like that seems like something that is, a positive way of looking at it like you know to try and improve things not a restrictive way of saying I shouldn't be eating biscuits because they are bad but it's no. the same outcome and I think that's what sometimes we forget is that sometimes and this is something I've always said like sometimes people need to what is it sometimes people need to realize that they can eat a donut and still be healthy and sometimes people need to realize that they cannot eat, eat a donut and still be happy and I think that's kind of a, a really important way of looking at things, because actually some people could do with eating a lot more um, flexible foods and some people could do with eating a lot less flexible foods. And that's not, you know, out of sacrifice or punishment. That's out of trying to trying for them to have better lives. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think intent matters in this instance. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Definitely. Understanding that you have the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if we wrap up this conversation with a how to be less shit tip, this would be maybe, I don't know, a take home message for how our audience can be less shit because we've identified that we're all a bit shit at something at some point. <laughs> so what might yeah. be your less shit tip? I think to be honest with yourself, I think exactly like off the back of what, what we were talking about. I, I mean, I know that you will have probably seen on my Instagram me spending a lot of time whinging about the gym in uh certain sort of training i was surprised to hear you say that you love training right no, now because I because i'm starting to be honest with myself about it and actually like i think the thing is i feel really strongly about helping people to understand that you don't have to love the gym to to get the most out of it you don't have to adore getting up at 5am to go to the gym in order to get the benefits from going to the gym because I want the gym to be more accessible to more people. I want more people to want to train. And I want people to understand that, you know, the people that generally promote health and fitness are people who are passionate about going to the gym and training and all that kind of stuff, which is amazing. But there's this whole cohort of people who see that stuff and can't relate to it because they yeah. don't, they don't realize that a lot of those people are putting on a brave face because they know that they need to go to the gym. And actually inside they're like, I hate this, yeah. you know? And so I kind of wanted to present that point of view that actually you can be consistent and go to the gym three, four times a week and actually not particularly enjoy it. And I, f I think that message is really important. But as time has gone on, I've started to feel like a bit like that attitude has not been serving me particularly well in the sense that I have used my gym consistency to excuse potentially a lack of effort in certain scenarios in the gym. Okay. Um, and I excuse myself from hard training a lot of the time because of, and it's not intentional, but it's like, oh, I'm worried I'll injure myself if I do that too much. Oh, I feel really out of breath. I've got to stop. I've got to stop, you know? And there have been many times in the gym where my trainer will have said to me, you had another two reps there. You've, you've cheated yourself. No, I didn't. 
you know, and, yeah. and been sort of defiant about it. And I kind of made a New Year's resolution this year that I'm going to stop disagreeing with my coach, that when he tells me that I can do something, because I trust him as a professional, I know that he understands how coaching works. I know that he can look at a bar path and see how fast it's moving and, yeah. and understand whether or not I've I've genuinely not got any more in the tank. Um, and I know that he knows how I train and how I move and what I'm comfortable with and what I'm not, that if he tells me I can do another rep, I can do another rep and I have to do another rep. I bet he loves so, that New Year's resolution. Yeah, he kind of does a little bit I too bet. much, I think. And you know what I've noticed by doing that, because I've really committed to kind of trying to make it count a little bit more when I'm at the gym, like not just not letting my knee quite touch the floor on a lunge because my legs are tired, you know, I'm just going to wuss out a little bit of these couple of reps just to make my day a little bit easier. I'm properly doing it. And the sense of satisfaction that I have in myself and the pride that I have in the fact that I'm doing this is like immeasurable. Like I'm leaving the gym and like an hour later, I'm just feeling so excited about what happened in the gym that day and what I did and how I really wanted to stop doing that exercise, but I carried on till the end of the set. Like it makes me proud of myself in a way that I think lots of things struggle to do. Mm. Um, and I have found that that in turn has helped me to really enjoy the process a lot more. Now, I say this, I know that we are day 23 of the new year. So this is not like, you know, this isn't long-term change yet, but I'm like, I'm pretty determined to try and to try and get this to stick because I think that's, I think that I've overestimated the value of turning up to the gym and underestimated the value of what is it showing up and yeah, turning up and showing up. Mm -hmm. I want to show up more. Oh, I'm really happy for this change for you, Mike. That's Thanks. huge. Me too. Yeah. That's really big. Was it just a change in mindset, you think, or are there things you've actually implemented to help you commit to saying yes to more? Like, was there a big thing that happened? No, like, is it like, oh, look, I'm sick of this. It's a recognition, having internal dialogue, all great things. But then when it comes to action, it's still fucking hard to do the one more rep. You yeah, know, like, for sure. So, like, was it then a conversation with the personal trainer to say, hey, <clears throat> you normally do this and I don't like it, so I don't do one more rep. But I think mm -hmm. if you encourage me, maybe this would be it or is there, is there something or is it just you have literally I mean, just kind of ripped the bandit off I think over time I've just I've just got bored of myself you know like I'm like why do I keep complaining if I keep complaining about this but I do it three times a week I obviously don't hate it or I wouldn't still be doing it but I do find it really uncomfortable and I find that I struggle to you know to embrace that that pain but I also know that I can do it and I have done it and I have made improvements and I know how great it makes me feel when I make progress in the gym. And actually, the thing that I keep trying to remind myself from a lifestyle point of view is that I am at my happiest when I am eating well and I am training well and I am looking after myself. Mm. And it's really, really easy to underestimate the impact that those things can have on your general well-being from you know obviously from a physical point of view but from a psychological and mental point of view as well and I kind of just got to the point where I was just bored of listening to myself complain like I was like this isn't funny and like it's not funny anymore it's like I don't want to play the clown for other people's entertainment because that's not what that was supposed to be it was mm. supposed to me be me being honest about it but I got almost I started to get almost triggered when people would message going 
you know how much they love watching me complain in the gym it's so funny it's so funny watching you train I'm like it's not I'm not a comedy like, mm. this is my life I, that's not what I want to be I don't want to be a clown yeah although like I will happily do like Instagram real sketches that are intentionally you know funny related to those things that I'm okay with but I don't want I don't want my life to be a source of entertainment I'm you know I'm happy to be honest with people about how I'm feeling and hopefully it helps them in some way mm. but not not comedy that's not what I'm here for mm. you know yeah 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 so the content was relatable but also ruthless in that it made you realize that you were your own enemy at that stage yeah maybe we can all think about what's the thing we've been complaining about for years and how can we make a change? Like it might not be the gym. It might be mm. a person in your life or a, I don't know, a course you've wanted to do and you've just been complaining about all the reasons why you can't or something. Mm. I think we all have that thing. I think also a lot of people are like victims to their own perception, you know, and like perception shifts, like, it may surprise you. I did exactly essentially what you've just spoken about in almost every day of my contest prep in that there'd be periods where I'd be walking and I'm just like, I'm so tired. Like, fuck, I'm tired. Jeez, I'm tired. And I then I'd be this. like, and this. then I just watch my steps just gradually get slower and slower mm. and slower. And I'm like, fuck, if I keep it this, I'm going to, this is going to take me 45 minutes and not 30 mm. minutes. And then I just like, you know what? I'm super energetic, you know? Yeah. And then I yeah. just try and switch. And then I'd, immediately I'd be like, oh my God, prep's fucking great. Fine. You know, because you become that guy as well. Like yeah. you become the guy that whinges about the gym and doesn't make any progress and whistles out of the last few reps. Like, I don't want to, you, you sort of, you start to become that identity. And I was like, do I want that to be my identity? The person that whinges about going to the gym? No, I want my identity to be the guy that smashes the gym and does really well at it and has actually like achieved a considerable amount of lifestyle change and continues to do so against all odds. And I want to be proud of that work, not be beholden to being, you know, the, the guy that just can't do it very well, you know? Mm. Mm. That's mm. massive. Thank you for sharing that. Um, we were going to ask me. you for something worth sharing, but I think that was pretty big. <laughs> that was a big share. Yeah. Unless you do have something you think that is worth sharing with the audience. I don't know, a recipe, a movie, a quote. Oh, so many recipes. I mean... I've been. I made a white chocolate and raspberry cheesecake yesterday, and that not was with onions. Good. On That's top. up there with one of my uh, top top um top uh, cheesecake. I raspberry agree. Cheesecake. White chocolate raspberry. Yeah. Okay. It's one of the. It's a, it's a funny. I'm not a uh, an emotional eater, by any means, uh -huh. and I'm not really someone who's ever struggled with food, but my mum used to make this white chocolate esque cheesecake that had like a raspberry like. Coolie it was like top. a jelly. Jelly? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's the only food that I know that I've woken up in the middle of the night and went, fuck, I could do with a scoop, a, scoop, a, a, a slice of that. And I went to the fridge and had a slice of cheesecake. In the middle of the night? Yeah, like two or three in the morning. That just is super random. So I just walked straight to the fridge, <laughs> cut a slice, was like, that is a, such a good cheese. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Well, that's funny. So it must be my, my thing. Mike was saying on his story, I sound like I stalk you on social media. I just find you incredibly no, insightful. Um, people, <laughs> people were messaging Mike, or two people messaged you and said, "Is that onions on top of your cheesecake?" Yeah. <laughs> but it was raspberries. <laughs> they don't look that's raspberries. a disgusting combination. They said, "Is that is that onions?" And I was like, "Where?" And I was like, "I watched the video back, thinking like there was a pile of onions in the corner in the kitchen or something like that." I was like, "What do they mean? Is that onions?" <laughs> and they were like, "On the cheesecake, it looks like red onions." 
And I was like, Yuck. it's a cheesecake, number one. <laughs> like, of course, it's obviously raspberry. And then like five minutes later, I had another one. And I was like, are you kidding me? And then when I posted that story about people saying it was onions, so many people replied to it saying, I thought it was onions too. <laughs> but they're not the right shape. There's nothing about them. I know. There's nothing oniony about it. Liz and I just booked flights to Oaxaca in mm-hmm. Mexico for next weekend. Spelled right? O-X. O-A-X-A-C-A, Oaxaca. Yeah. Um, okay. And... One of the foods that are, so they have a few foods there that are a little bit different to the rest of Mexico. Uh-huh. And it's like, yeah. apparently like a really. Um, it's only an hour and a half in a plane from where we cuisine are. Cuisine delight, uh, old uh, Oaxaca. Yeah. But one of the drinks that popped up was called Orchata de Atun, which is tuna in Spanish. And horchata yeah. is sweet rice milk. Or sweet nut milk. Well, yeah. no rice in Mexico though. Oh, okay. In Spain, it's nuts, isn't it? In Mexico, yeah, it's rice. Tiger nut. Yeah. So tuna I, in sweet rice milk, like blended, wow. like a shake. We don't know if it's blended or what. We don't know. All right, Mike. Would you rather eat cheesecake with uh, onions. onions on top, or have a tuna and rice milk shake? Well, the difference is the tuna and rice milk shake has just been told to me is it is a like a in a place that that is full of thing. delicacies in Mexico. Mm, so I think true. I would like to try. I would try that. Okay, I could get on board with a plain cheesecake with caramelized it. onion though. Do huh? like if you did a plain cheesecake, caramelized onion on top. It's just a savory cheesecake. No, I'm not okay with it. What do you mean? No. All right, another. Would you rather to okay. see us out? <laughs> would you rather giggle every time a patient cries in your surgery? <laughs> I'm getting palpitations just thinking about that. (laughs) Or have a flatulence problem, both in frequency and in odour. I think I would choose the latter because if you have a flatulence problem, at least you'd have control over it. I think it would, and I I think like you could do that at at discrete opportunities. Mm, Okay. In this instance, also we don't. all have a flatulence problem in both frequency and odor, right? <laughs> well, you know what? Of course, everyone has. I don't know. Maybe sometimes. I don't need enough biscuits. For the most part, <laughs> I actually like. I feel like I do a lot of ghost farts where they're just like, "Oh, that wasn't even a thing." Yeah. But but in in this, would you rather you can't control it? Like you're just farting oh. all the time. It always stinks. So like your surgery would stink. But you're not giggling at people when they. Cry, at least. Are they audible? I was say, yeah. Is it stepbrothers level? No, you can't say they're both audible okay, and smelly. Not audible. They're just frequent and smelly. I mean, this is becoming less of an easy choice, but I just, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think, I guess you could be like, maybe if you warned people appropriately beforehand, like if you had a sign on your door saying like, this doctor has uh, this following disability, please understand (laughs) and then I mean they're both I think they're both equally bad but I guess I guess Mm. that one's like psychologically bad and the other (laughs) one is physically bad right so it would be really upsetting if someone giggles when you cry but it would be really unpleasant if someone's like farting at you all the time and it smells bad and sounds bad and actually I suppose you could argue that farting while people are crying is probably as bad as giggling while they're crying anyway um so if we if we really had to choose then I guess it's an easy choice but I still would not like to do either I don't know because how many of your patients cry 
I've cried at so many doctors. In a day, in a day, how many percentages though? How many in a day? I, I Quite a significant number, yeah. Da- with daily cries? At least daily, yeah. That doesn't surprise but, me. But let's just say you see 15 patients in a day and five cry. That means you're only upsetting 30. I see 15 30... patients in a half a day. This is true. Okay, 30 <laughs> patients and 10 yeah. cry. That means you're only upsetting 10 people versus 30 people of stanky oh, ass farts. I didn't really think about that that way. This is the gift that keeps on giving this question, isn't it? Like <laughs> so are the farts. Can't stop thinking of different, different nuances of this question that just make it impossible to answer. <laughs> Gosh, you know what I would do? What you would giggle? I'd giggle for sure. Yeah, but you have no heart. Um, <laughs> Dean always chooses the absolute worst answer, and he's like, "Whatever, I don't even care." But I typically do it without thought. Because <laughs> yeah, actually, it's a totally theoretical scenario that will never happen, and yet somehow we're agonizing about how to answer it. Well, but then Liz will make me feel bad about it. She's like, "Would you rather?" Because you should. You're a fucking no, monster. Would you rather five people that you don't know die, or one person that you do know dies? And I'm like. The five people die. Like, but he's I'm not sorry. just, he's like, fuck the five people. I'm like, yeah, don't know them. Like, they like, die. <laughs> and she's like, but what about their families? I'm like, I've never met them. There's no emotional attachment. I don't care. It's not all about you, <laughs> and then And then she's like, you're a terrible person. I'm like, this isn't a real See, scenario. See, I have to live with, I have to kiss this guy and sleep next to this guy and work with this guy. <laughs> this monster of a human being. Like, there's no consideration. Look, listeners, Death. I'd love you to take a screenshot, um, tag Dr. Mike, flex underscore success, and let us know, would you rather giggle at anyone that cries? at you or have a flatulence problem both in odor and frequency i'd giggle then so it's farts cry. or giggles that's that's what we're voting on giggle and fake cry. That's it. <laughs> giggle and fake cry. Like, oh, i'm so sorry for you <laughs> <laughs> you know you disguise it as a it's cry style it out wow that's a, that's a new one and then when they left i'd actually laugh at them oh dean oh my <laughs> this guy <laughs> Don't worry, I'll slap him after the episode. <laughs> Domestic violence is okay sometimes. <laughs> yeah. No, women on men. We... <laughs> women on no, men. No. Yeah. Okay, we need to edit a lot of this podcast out. I think <laughs> all jokes, guys, all jokes. Um, well, Mike, if people wanted to follow you on social media, where may they find you? They may find me at Dr. Mike the Seconds as D R M I K E T H E two N D, and that's everywhere. Okay, Easy. and you're on Twitter now. I hear. I I was on Twitter from way before stuff like Instagram. I just TikTok. had stopped using it because it's so awful. Oh yeah, TikTok as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All TikTok. You're trying to break, crack the TikTok. I mean, I just feel like it's important to embrace new forms of media and stuff. I've really struggled with TikTok because I don't really know what to do and nothing. Like no one cares. And it's really weird going from, you know, I like posting on Instagram because I have a people respond and we have chats and discuss things. But I don't really know what you're supposed to do on on TikTok. You just post videos and no one sees them and then <laughs> another day begins. Right. Can you even comment on TikTok videos? We're not on TikTok, so we don't can. know how it works. Okay. Yeah, okay. so you can comment on them. It's actually like if, if you want to waste a day, it's probably the most useful social media because it's just you the algorithm is so clever in terms of what you enjoy watching that it just keeps giving you stuff that you find like for me it's all humor stuff so I see stuff that I find so funny and then there's just more and more of it like I can't go on TikTok and watch like a couple of videos without needing to like copy the link and send it to like three people going oh my god so <laughs> 
it's a great algorithm but it's just it's if as a as a like it's great as a consumer but as someone trying to make stuff for it it's very confusing I right am confused. okay well if I was on TikTok I would definitely follow you but well, alas you I am much. not mm. I am not do you um follow kids getting hurt on Instagram to say when we say funny oh, is that what we're talking yeah, about yeah oh see, my come on mate. I feel like you wouldn't laugh at that he's got, to join, just, he's got to join the giggle party here it's videos of just kids <laughs> getting hurt and it's, it's amazing absolutely hilarious Oh I don't but think like actual hurt or just like you know oh very it's a mixture you know like you've been framed level of hurt or like worse like a like a mum steps back out of the car and trips and nearly fall and falls but saves her baby or or like a kid or a kid's of... riding down a road and goes dad look at me and then runs into a car like a parked car but um, doesn't like be seriously injured in some instances for sure yeah, some yeah. of them are like pretty bad injuries. Well, like you think they are because the video ends usually once the incident happens. But like most of the time, it's just like a dog running straight into a kid or something. Or a breakdancer flipping and kicking someone or, you know. Yeah. But like I think. Okay. I, like, I will assess. My, okay. <laughs> my Instagram is either people I know, clients, uh -huh. people mm -hmm. that I'm interested in being educated by. Or it's just kids getting hurt and dogs. Uh, <laughs> no, or like um wild animal videos. Ooh, oh yeah, do you follow like metal. nature is metal? Oh yeah, yeah I do. So good. Yeah. yeah. So good. I find that shit very intriguing. Yeah. Um, but anyways, if anyone's gonna follow anything and you're not following Flex Success or Mike, it's what the heck are you doing? Kids getting get hurt. <laughs> yeah, do that before kids getting hurt. <laughs> uh, thank yeah. you for coming on the episode. It was been a fantastic number one hundred. Thank you for having me. Happy 100th. And that is like puts you in the top, what is it, 0, 0.0 something percent of podcasters. Like nobody makes it to 100 episodes. That's I like have the, no idea. Yeah, there's some statistic. If you make 100 episodes of a podcast, that literally puts you in the elite podcasters because so many people start podcasts and barely anyone True. ever gets to um, 100 episodes. Great. Well, we have uh, no intent on slowing down. No. Thank you. All right, listeners, welcome. we'll see you, you in 101, me. which will have, if it has a guest, I don't know, we haven't recorded it yet. They won't be as funny or intelligent <laughs> or handsome or wise. But <laughs> maybe it'll be a good episode. We'll have to wait and see. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. See ya.